Hallelujah. Would you guys turn with me to Psalms chapter 78? Get out your phones, your Bibles, your iPads, whatever you got with you today. Psalms chapter 78. It's great to be with you again. I appreciate Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen. They're wonderful, longtime friends of ours, as they've said many times. And we're just so blessed by them and the whole staff here. Do you know you have an awesome staff at this church right here? I'm telling you, you have one of the greatest staffs in all of Casedom. All right? Casey. I made that, I made that up. Casedom. Anyways, whatever that means. In all of Casey, you have one of the greatest staffs. A lot of great young people who are going to do great things for God. Amen. Keep them in prayer. Keep Pastor Daniel in prayer. Amen. As he's traveling. My wife sends her love. She was here earlier this year with my daughter, Madison. And uh, they were here for, I believe it was a women's encounter back in April or May. And uh, she was calling me between the services. You know, this is the first time I've ever come to Alaska that where I was coming from is colder than here. Like, I got up this morning at whatever time it was, and I went out before I got in the van to drive over to the church, and I'm thinking, I better go, you know, turn the heater on and let it run. For I walked outside, and I'm like, it's not that cold out here. And then my wife texts me and calls me between services and said, it's snowing where we're from this morning, which is highly unusual. So, like I said, Friday night, I think we got your weather, and you got ours. But uh, anyways, Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 78. You know, this morning, we're going to talk for a little bit about not limiting God. Everybody say, not limiting God. You might think, Pastor, what are you talking about? God is almighty. God can do anything he wants. God speaks, and there's light. God is all-powerful. What are you trying to say we can limit God? Where there's a passage in the Bible, and it's Psalms chapter 78, and it talks about all the wondrous things that God did for the children of Israel. Didn't he do amazing things for the children of Israel? I mean, come on. He gave them the law. It talks about that. It talks about the fact that he delivered them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea. It says he separated the water, and he made water like, like solid walls. I mean, that's pretty incredible. They walked through it. He fed them food from heaven every day. Every day they woke up and there was just food and they went and picked it up. Can you imagine every day you walked outside your, outside your house and there's just food all over the ground? Thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to go to cars or wherever you go, Fred Meyer, wherever, I don't know. You didn't have to spend your paycheck on that. Oh, somebody's getting blessed over here on the side. Yeah, food every day. I mean, miraculous things. He made water pour out of a rock. My goodness. God can do anything. He did miraculous things for the children of Israel. I mean, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire that led them and protected them. I mean, it was visible. It was right there. You could see it. God leading them, guiding them, protecting them. But look at verse 32 with me. It says, in spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Everybody said, believe. Say, believe. And now look down at verse 40. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. There it is right there. I'm going to ask us just to pray over this word. Father God, I pray that you touch our hearts today. Jesus, I pray you'd minister to us today. God, quicken your word. Your word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus' name, amen. So there it is. Humans, people like us, the children of Israel, limited a limitless God. How does that happen, you might ask? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. And here it is. God has chosen to operate a certain way in this world that we live in. And he's chosen to operate in the realm of faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is believing what we can't see, right? The Bible says. And it's believing it so much that we actually do something toward what we believe. The Bible says faith without action is dead, right? Faith without works is dead. 
Paul said, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Right? So faith is when we believe what we can't see, and somehow we even take a step of action toward that thing, believing for it. Amen? And so in our world, in this realm that we live in, God has, in a sense, put limitations on himself and said, I'm going to do my works and work in this world based on dun, da, da, our faith. Now, that is a staggering thought right there. If, if that doesn't blow your mind, let it blow your mind a little bit this morning. Because the Almighty God says, I'm going to limit myself. I'm going to put some, impose some limits on myself based on me and you. And what we believe and what we're willing to take action toward. And we see time and time again as we read, read it, Israel just kept blowing that to the point that they were grieving God, the Bible says. What, what was Israel like? They were continually complaining dissatisfied with what God was doing for them, grumbling, miserable, unhappy, living in idolatry, not living victoriously. And why? Because of their faithfulness, their unbelief that actually led them to disobedience. And that's what happens when we don't live in faith, me and you. We can limit what God wants to do on this earth. We can limit what God wants to do in our lifetime. We can limit what God wants to do right here in Wasilla or in Alaska. Are you hearing me today? And this is no more evident than when Israel was ready to go into the promised land. Now, this was the moment for Israel. Delivered from bondage, delivered from slavery, and God said, I'm getting ready to take you into the land of milk and honey, the land of promise that I promised your forefathers. It's time. It's time to step into the next level, Israel. Everything, the blessing, the provision, the supply, the victory, let's do it, God says. We're on the precipice of it. Get ready to step off. And we find out what happens in Numbers 13, verse 30. It says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. It's talking about giants. The descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We, we look like grasshoppers. We seem like, it says, in their own eyes. They saw themselves as nothing more than grasshoppers. So here's the deal. Israel's at the moment, their moment, to step to the next level. And number one, they don't believe God can do it for them. They don't believe God will do it for them. And number two, they don't see themselves for who God says they are. This is, this is the children of God. This is, these are God's chosen people. I mean... God Almighty has their back. And God Almighty is saying, go for it. And they don't believe he can do it for them. They don't have faith for it because they're not willing to take the what? The action. They're not willing to step out. And so at that moment, bam, the wall comes down. They limit what God can do in their lives. They limited the prosperity God wanted to give them. They limited the land that he wanted to. They limited God's promise to his people. Again, I'm going to say it because they didn't believe God could do it, and they didn't see themselves for who God said they were. You know, we can, we can be like that sometimes. We don't, I don't want us to be. None of us want to be. But I've seen people over and over, and, and I can say honestly, Almost nothing more saddens, saddens me more than this. When I see someone with so much potential, so much calling on their life, so much gifting on their life, and I've seen it over and over, so much promise, and God wants them to move into ministry. God wants them to, to grow and take bigger steps of faith. And there's prophetic words on their life that affirms it to them, and they know it, and they talk about it. And when they're on the verge of doing it, and it's time, 
They don't have the faith to do it. They don't believe God. They don't believe God enough that he's really going to do it for them. And I've seen them miss their moment. And then what happens? It's a lot like the Israelites. What happened when they missed that moment? They wandered around in the desert for the next 40 years, going in circles. And I've seen people do that in life. Miss the moment because of faith, lack of faith, and just wander around in life. Say, what, what am I doing with my life? How come nothing's happening in my life? I just keep living the same problems over and over again. I keep going around the circle, and boom, there it is again, same old thing. And, and, and sometimes they even want to blame God. God, where are you? God, how come, where, where are you in my life? Yeah, you missed the moment. And it's not that God doesn't give us multiple chances. God's gracious. But I've seen people miss it over and over and over and over again and wonder why life isn't working out the way they want it to. Where's my prosperity? Where's my blessing? Where's my next level of ministry? Where's the next level in my business? And they missed the moment that God said, step out in faith. So they're wandering around. We limit him when we don't have faith in who he is and who we, when we don't have faith in who he says we are. You say, why do I have to have faith? In, 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 in me? In who, who God says I am? Yeah. Did you get up this morning and think about the fact that the Bible says if you know Christ, you're a son and daughter of the living God? That the Bible says that you and I are more than conquerors through him who loved us? Amen? That the Bible says that you are an heir of God? You might not have money for the electric bill today, but you're an heir of God. And he's got so, many, so much treasure stored up for you in heaven. Trust me, that's what the word of God says, and God does not lie. In fact, you're a joint heir with Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, is sharing his inheritance with me and you. We're God's children. When you were brushing your teeth this morning, you looked in that mirror, did you think, man, I'm a son of the living God today. I'm, I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. You know, some days we don't feel that way when we're sitting there brushing our teeth, right? We don't feel, sometimes we feel like a grasshopper. I mean, they said it themselves, didn't they? You got to be careful what you say about yourself. They said, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They didn't have faith that they were the children of God their faith was on the level, so they didn't have any faith. We're not big enough. We're too small. We're just grasshoppers. We can't, God, you may be strong, yeah, but we can't do this. You know, and sometimes we're sitting there brushing our teeth, combing our hair. Some of you know how that is. I don't, but. And you don't feel that day like huh, you're on top of the world. You don't feel that you're everything that God says you are because you've got a habit that you're struggling with. You've got financial issues that you don't know how to solve. You've got a problem at work. You've got marital problems or a problem in your family. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And you, you're like, you know, you're not feeling like Mr. Overcomer or Miss Conqueror that day. But that's where faith comes in. Faith is believing what you can't see, and sometimes you can't even see it in yourself. But you've got to rise up and say, I have faith in who God says I am. And I'm not going to see myself as a grasshopper. And I'm not going to see myself as small. And it isn't being prideful. You're not the one who made it up. You're just quoting God's word. He's the one who said it. God says you're his son and his daughter. God said. And God only speaks the truth that you're more than a conqueror, that you're an overcomer. That's who you are in Christ. And it's important for us to have faith in who God says we are. There's a man in the Old Testament that sort of missed this. His name was Saul. Anybody heard of Saul? Right. Saul. The Bible says that he was more impressive than any man in all of Israel. He was head and shoulders above everybody else, every man in the whole nation. That means he was the man. I mean, he was probably the center of the basketball team. He was the star quarterback. He was the American ninja warrior, if you will. I mean, he was the man. 
And so Sam, Samuel, the prophet, came to his house, you know, came to him, and uh, he, had, he had oil, because that's what happened. He would anoint, you know, anoint them. God called him, told him, anoint Saul. And he goes there, and he anoints Saul with oil and declares the word of the Lord over him. You are this. You are to be the next king of Israel. I'm anointing you king. And this was Saul's response in 1 Samuel 9, 21. But am I not a Benjamite? from the smallest tribe of Israel, and isn't my clan not the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? I mean, at the moment where he's being declared the next king, his first response is, I'm not good enough. His first response is, I I'm too small. I mean, this is the big man. I no, I I'm too small. I I'm just a Benjamite. We're, we're, we're the least. We're really the least, Samuel. God, wherever you're at the least. In fact, the day of the coronation, he's supposed to be crowned king. Boom, boom, boom. Fanfare, whatever. Everybody's there. The nation's there. Drum roll, please. It's time. Spotlight swings to the stage. He's not standing there. He's not even there. Everybody's, you know, awkward silence, looking around. National TV, you know. You're with me, right? He's like backstage somewhere, you know, I'm putting this in modern terms, hiding in the luggage. This is the big macho man of Israel, the man. It's his moment to fulfill what God has spoken over him, and he's hiding. Why? Why? Because he could not see himself the way God saw him. He didn't think he was enough. He had a fear of man. And that fear of man spilled over into him being the king. He would try to affirm himself, really, by trying to please others instead of God. Are you with me today? And here's what happened. He lost battles. Sadly, he lost the anointing. He lost the kingship. He lost his family. And in the end, he lost his life. His perception of himself intertwined with his lack of faith limited what God could do through his life. And not just him, but through Israel. We're limited by his perception. But let's talk about his successor. Anybody ever heard of David? You know, David probably was the least in his family. When the prophet Samuel showed up to their house... He knew that there was the next king he was going to anoint. And, and Jesse, bring me all your sons. And they're all lined up there. Number one, the handsome one. God said, no. Athletic one, no. He went down the line, da-da-da. God said, it's none of these guys. And Samuel's throwing up his hands. Okay, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but God, uh, you told me to come here. You got any more sons? Oh, yeah, we do. He's out in the desert watching the sheep. I mean, David didn't even get invited to the party. Something was a little weird there. Somebody go get David. So he's out there with the sheep, playing his harp, hanging out, talking to God, writing songs, killing lions and bears, just doing what he's supposed to do. Bring him in. He walks in. He probably stunk. He's probably dirty. He's like, "What's wow, there was a party? Nobody told me. <laughs> and God said, that's the one. That's the one I want right there. And listen, Samuel anointed David king, and you don't hear anything come out of David's mouth that says, but I'm just a shepherd. You don't hear him say, God, I, I can't do this because I, I'm just a musician. I'm just going to hang out behind this harp here. I'm good back here. I'm good out in the desert. I'm not ready for this, God. You didn't hear him say any of that. He received what God spoke over him. Are you with me this morning? He received it. And so what happens next? He gets elevated to become the court musician for Saul, the other guy we were just talking about. And he's playing music, and it's so anointed, demons are breaking off of Saul. And then the next thing you know, you see that his father, Jesse, sends him on an errand to go deliver bread and cheese. You know, sometimes just because God says you're the next king doesn't mean it happens tomorrow. You know, sometimes we get prophetic word or something at the prophetic conference. We're prophet to the nations, you know. Amen. God wants to do that in our lives. But sometimes there's a process that comes with that, you know. And we can't be like, 
what's up, Pastor Daniel? How come I'm not preaching next week? You know? Come on, man. You heard my word. You, you think I'm just being funny. I've, I've heard people say things close to that before. And I'm like, okay. There's a process. Sometimes things do happen quickly, and sometimes they can take a while. And so David, he could have been like, I'm not delivering no bread and cheese to my brothers. You've got to be joking me, Dad. I'm, I'm the king. God said that. You know, his dad probably would have just whacked him in the head and get down there. No, you don't see him saying that at all. He's serving. He's just doing whatever he's supposed to be doing. And he gets down to the battlefield. He delivers that bread and cheese. And oh, what? There's a massive giant, Goliath, standing there mocking God, mocking Israel. And David, faith rises up in David. We all know the story, right? And he gets that sling, and he gets those stones. Funny, the Israelites were facing giants, and, and they didn't have faith for that. But he's staring at one face to face, and he believes God can do it. And he believes God can use him, even with such little ammunition. And you know that happens. Giant's dead. He cuts off his head. And David becomes the warrior of Israel. He becomes the man, really. Come on. He's like about 17 years old. He becomes the man that everyone's singing about. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, now David, David's slain his tens of thousands. And before we know it, David fulfills, or it's fulfilled in his life, what God spoke over him. He becomes the king of Israel, and really, the king by which every king was measured for the rest of Israel's history. David had faith in God, and faith in who God said he was and who he was going to be. So much so that he was willing to act on it. I've heard Joyce Meyer say, say this. You'll never live life fulfilled and victorious and complete. And fulfill God's plan for your life until you know who you are in Christ. Until you believe and know what God says about you. What does God say about you today? Because what he says is true. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It doesn't say, as mom and dad said about you, so are you. It doesn't say, as school teachers or bosses or other people in your life said about you, so are you. They can say lots of stuff. And the devil will say lots of stuff and throw lots of, lots of stuff at you. He's accuser of the brethren, Right? Yeah, that's what the Word of God says. But it doesn't say what any of those people say about you are what you are. It's as you think in your heart, so are you. That's a sobering thought. Romans 12, 3 says, For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. It says, don't think of yourself more highly. You can sort of see the other side of the coin there. Don't think of yourself more lowly than you should. But it says, think of yourself soberly. We all know what being sober is, right? It's being not intoxicated. It's not being, you know, it's being, you can think clearly. You can walk a straight line. Your cognitive reasoning is all as it should be. So God wants us to think soberly about ourselves. But if you dig a little deeper right there, that word for soberly is a Greek word, sophroneo. And that word sophroneo is made up of two Greek words. One is sozo. Anybody ever heard that word before? Sozo. It means saved. It means delivered. It means healed. It, it mean healed. It means being made completely whole. And phroneo means our cognitive abilities to think. So even deeper than 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 saying that we need to see ourselves soberly, it's we need to see ourselves with our saved, healed, delivered, set free mind. That's how God wants us to view ourselves. You know, and sometimes in the church, and, and may, probably, I mean, I'm sure not in this church, 
but maybe in churches where some of us grew up. I know in a church where I grew up. There was sort of this mindset that you see yourself as nothing, and that's humility. I mean, even to the point when I went to Bible school my freshman year, we had to write a paper in uh, English lit, uh, English comp, composition about humility or something like that. And I wrote this paper, and it was basically saying that we're supposed to be nothing. And, and I got an A-plus on my writing abilities, and I got scolded for my theological point of view. My teacher, Joyce Booz, who is a great woman of God, said, you don't have the right mindset. You know, but that's kind of how I grew up, because in Philippians it said that Jesus made himself nothing. Well, that doesn't mean Jesus quit being God. And that doesn't mean Jesus quit knowing he was God. I mean, Jesus declared, I am. He declared that he was the God at the burning bush. He declared he was the son of God. He, he, he never let go of who he was, and yet he was willing, in comparison to his greatness, make himself nothing and become a servant and be on a cross. And I'm going to tell you today, humility isn't being like Saul. You know, sometimes we can think, oh, Saul, that was, that was so humble of him, just hiding over there, you know, on his big day, saying he was the least. That, that's not humility. That was fear of man. Are you with me this morning? That was fear of man. That was not, oh, Saul, that big guy, well, that was just so cute. He was over there just, no. That was, I'm not willing to receive what God has spoken over me and live it out and have faith for it. Humility is knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who he has made you, and that everything you are is really a gift from him, and that he receives all the glory and the credit for it, and then being obedient to serve in whatever capacity he wants us to serve, just like David becoming a king. Just like the children of Israel, he wanted them to be conquerors. Being willing to serve and obey. Just like Jesus, maybe being willing to lay down your life as a servant. I'm going to say it again. It's knowing your identity in Christ. Knowing who he made you to be. Believing it. Receiving it. Walking in it. Having faith in it. And then being willing to obey and do whatever he's called us to do, even if it means we seem like nothing by serving. Are you with me today? We'll never be used by God beyond who we think we can be and who we see ourselves as. You know, you know there was a young man who came to the cathedral many years ago. Most of you guys know I was the music director at the cathedral uh, on Maui for a long time, 21 years. And there was a young man who went to Job Corps. Anybody know what that is, Job Corps? It's like you can go there and get your high school degree and, and learn a trade kind of a thing. And he came to America and went straight to Job Corps. And so he was there on the island of Maui, and, and a man in our church who sang on our worship team for many years would drive a van up there and pick up people from Job Corps. So he would ride the van, kind of like bus ministry. He would ride to church every week, and he got involved in our choir. And he sang in the choir, man, he sang with all his heart, and uh, he even sang a little part on one of our CDs years ago, and a little line or two he sang. And he got involved in another ministry of the church and really became one of the leaders of that ministry, went on from being in music to kind of growing as a leader in another area of ministry. We sent him to another island to lead a congregation, and then he ended up coming back to the cathedral and led a ministry there that grew very largely. And his name is, is Pastor Dotson Imakita. He's a Marshallese man from the Marshall Islands. I don't think he's ever been here. Has he ever been here? Okay. So he, that was what was happening in his life, and he took over the Marshallese ministry there on Maui, and it really grew. And one day, uh, he became a pastor. And if you've not been a part of KC or never seen this, uh, when you become a pastor in KC, it's kind of a big deal. And uh, you kneel down, and Dr. Morocco lays hands on you and, and believes for an anointing to be passed from him into your life. And all the pastors gather around, and everyone's reaching out their hands, and it's a powerful moment. 
And I'll tell you what, of all the what we call bestowals, pastoral bestowals that I've ever been a part of, I have never seen one like that. I mean, Dr. Morocco laid hands on this guy. That, that, remember, he was just riding the bus to church a few years before that. He didn't even know God. I'm telling you, he, he was a heathen, really. And, and, and um, Pastor Morocco laid hands on him, and I'm telling you, it was like electricity on that young man. I mean, it was practically visible. The power of God came on him, man, like I have never seen in that situation. And I was one of the pastors, and I was standing over here stretching out my hands. And, and this is why this message means a lot to me today, and I hope it touches your heart today. I was standing there praying for him, doing my pastor thing that I'm supposed to be doing, and God spoke to me and said, Chris, you limited me. Chris, you've limited me. And for me, it was like, you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, something like that, that convicts you. And God told me, you know, all, all these years, you told me you wouldn't be a pastor. And trust me, I did not want to be a pastor. I was happy to stand behind this instrument right here and sing, but I never wanted to speak in front of people. What I'm doing right now, I would not do unless I was absolutely forced to do it. And, and, and God convicted me and said, you've limited how I can use you and the expanse that I want to use you in your life because of that frame of mind and because of what you've said. <gasps> Man, I was super convicted. You know, it's not that everybody's meant to be a preacher or a pastor at all, but I was limiting God because I wasn't even open to him telling me that. I was, you know, I was canceling him before he could even tell, tell me. Because of my frame of mind, I don't do that. For years, Dr. Morocco said, you need to become a pastor. And I would just say, no, 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 no. For years, I just kept saying, no. You know, even after I became one, I said, can you unpastor me? <laughs> He's just shaking his head like, Jesus help him, you know. It's true. My wife can back all that up. But God convicted me that night and showed me how I was limiting all the things he could do in my own life. You know that young man, Pastor Dotson? Do you know that he's gone on? That guy who used to ride the bus to church? Do you know he's gone on to become a powerful, powerful pastor? He's affecting the entire, entire Marshallese people group in the world. We are opening Marshallese churches all over the U.S. You say, are there Marshallese? Yes. He moved to Arkansas. There's 11,000 Marshallese in Springdale, Arkansas. I mean, how crazy is that? He moved there. I was there last Sunday, actually, in his church. They have around 400 people they're running. They sit on the floors. They sit wherever they can to have church. And God's spirit is being poured out in a powerful way. And there's churches in Seattle. There's churches, man, I don't even know if I can name them all. Cleburne, Texas, Enid, Oklahoma, uh, I, I, Salem, Oregon. I can't name them all. But he's opening congregations where he knows there's a Marshallese community. Then he's raising up leaders. He's like a, he's like a Marshallese Dr. Morocco, for real. That was that guy who rode the bus to church. I remember him. In fact, and I don't think he minds me telling this, anybody ever heard of Tyson Chicken before? Yeah, well, Tyson Chicken asked him, I don't know how that happened, to be the representative to the Marshallese people group in their city and for their company. And so for a while, he was doing that job along with pastoring. And through that job, he met the lieutenant governor of Arkansas. He met the attorney general of Arkansas. He got to know the mayor better through doing that position, and he eventually resigned that. But do you know God has given him such favor when we were just in Maui in September? On Sunday, the mayor of the city was calling him. Hey, I need you to help me with this thing. In three weeks, can you do this? He was sharing with me other situations that they needed some intervention. And he just called up the attorney general. Hey, of the state, can you, can you please help with? Oh, sure. Da, 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 da. Let me sign this. Da, da, da. It's done. It was a big deal, too. I won't go into the... He's called up the... the, the, uh, the uh, um, Lieutenant Governor, we need this or that. Okay, that, 
That was that guy who used to ride the bus to church, who came from this little atoll. It's not even an island. It's a little atoll that's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean who didn't know anything about Jesus, who lived a rough, rough, terrible life. He told me when he grew up, he never even had a pair of rubber slippers to wear, had no shoes, owned like two shirts, like one pair of pants all his life. Seriously, grass roof. Pandanus leaves, actually, if you know what that is. That's how he grew up. Today, he's in a position of touching a people group around the world and even influencing government leaders. Can you imagine that? You can't dream that up. He didn't limit what God wanted to do in his life. And this morning, I just want to ask, where are you today? I want to encourage you today. Have faith in God himself. And have faith in who God says you are and take the limits off did you know it's possible to be in a church that's on fire for God to have a leader like like pastor Daniel and pastor Karen who I know them and they're on fire for Jesus they love God with all their hearts and just like the children of Israel were following God and had a great leader in Moses still they missed their moment And I want to encourage you, don't be those people. Don't miss the moments that God has for King's Chapel Wasilla and King's Chapel all of Alaska. And don't miss the moment. Being in a spirit-filled, powerful church, don't miss the moments in your personal life that God wants to bring you to and take you to the next level. I don't know what that is for you. Only you know what that is. But have faith in God and who he is and who he says you are. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Minister Micah, if you can help me. Come on, let's just worship the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you, Lord God, this morning. Come on, just lift your hands with me. Jesus, we bless you today. We thank you, Lord God, that you are God Almighty, that you are limitless. This morning, I want to tell you, congregation, as every head is bowed, that God wants to do more amazing things in your life than you can even imagine. David could not have imagined what was going to happen that day when his dad said, hey, come into the house. Somebody wants to see you. You could turn around, and there could be a moment where God introduces you to somebody that leads you to the next level of your life. Are you going to be ready? Do you have faith to step into it? I mean, this is a word for some of you this morning. That moment is coming. And how many of you would say today by uplifted hands, say, I don't want to miss the moment. I don't want to limit God. Come on, lift your hands with me right now. I want to say a word of prayer for you. Just keep your hands up. Just keep your hands raised this morning. Lord God, as an act of faith, these folks are raising their hands today, Lord God. Jesus, and we take the limits off right now, Lord God, in our hearts and in our minds, Lord God, ways that we've perceived you, ways that we've perceived ourselves, Lord God, we're willing to lay them down, not be stubborn in our thinking, Lord God, as I know I've been and how we can be sometimes, but Lord, we believe what you say. We believe what you say about us. We believe your word spoken over us. We believe, Lord God, that all things work together for good in our lives. Jesus, we come before you and ask you, help us, Lord. God, we repent for when we've limited you and we ask you, Lord God, that we will allow you to do anything you want in our hearts and our lives. Just take a moment to talk to the Lord. Just take a moment to talk to Him yourself in your own way. Hallelujah. Oh, just talk to Him. Take a few minutes. Take a few minutes. This is between you and God. Hallelujah. 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 You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you as well this morning, 
because I want to pray for you. How many of you would say, I've seen myself as small? You can keep your eyes closed for a minute. Say, I, sometimes I've seen myself like a grasshopper and there's giants and I'm like, I can't do this. Come on, lift your hand with me. I know I've been there. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now that you'll rearrange even the, the mental, the thinking, the furniture, you know, mental furniture, if you will, in these folks' minds. Lord God, right now, Jesus, to align our thinking with your word. We need a touch of your spirit because somewhere often ingrained in us, Lord God, is that thought that we're not enough. We're not big enough, strong enough, powerful enough, big enough in the spirit, blessed enough, whatever. But Lord God, I break that now in the name of Jesus. I break that small thinking now in the name of Jesus. You will do great exploits. You will be strong. You will rise up in the power of the Spirit. Come on and praise Him. Come on and bless Him this morning. Jesus, we exalt You. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy. And we declare it, Lord God. Come on, shout for victory in this place. Shout for victory victory in this place. Shout for victory in this place. Hallelujah. God, we break it now in the name of Jesus and declare your freedom. And we commit to you, your word says, to think what's true and right and pure and lovely in Philippians 4. God, and God, I commit to you and I pray these folks do that we'll replace that kind of thinking with the thinking that comes from your word. Yes, Lord, I do. And I pray that these commit to that as well, Jesus. With heads bowed still across this place today, you may be here today and you say, wow, Pastor Chris, you know, I don't know about limiting God, but I don't even think I know God. Maybe this is your first time here today. You say, I want to know that God. And I want to know him personally. I want to come into relationship with him. And if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand with me. Ready? One, two, three. And very simply, I'm going to come into relationship with Jesus today. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone here, if you would just repeat after me from your heart to encourage those, say, Jesus, Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I want to know you in a real personal way. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a great hand clap of praise in this place this morning? We're going to take a moment to uh, take a love offering and sow seed into the great things that God is doing in KC Branson. So ushers, would you come if you want to participate? I'm going to actually ask you to come back, Pastor Chris, and he has some stuff to share about the vision of that. Praise God. I brought a, I brought a few pictures. You know, when I, shared, when I shared a moment ago about us being willing to take the limits off, it was a few years after that that my wife and I moved to Dallas, Texas five years ago, and, and we opened, along with our assistant, Pastor Bruno Frigoli, KC Dallas. And we were there pastoring for three years, and then for the past two years, I've been traveling, producing productions and doing worship events all around KC. But all along, as we've been traveling, we knew that God was calling us to be in this town, Branson, Missouri. Have any of you guys ever been there before? Yeah, awesome. In fact, we got a few pictures here. Branson's a town of about 10,000 people, but we see about actually 9 million visitors a year. It's a huge entertainment uh, kind of vacation spot, lots of fishing, uh, all that kind of stuff happening there. And also as well, in that city, there are over 100 shows that happen there almost every day. A lot of them are country music shows, but there's all kinds of shows that go on there. It's, it's a very interesting, and I think they have a few pictures of that. You can see shows up and down what we call the strip or whatever. But, it, but it's a good family environment for the most part, and uh, two years ago, I'll try to make this quick, about two years ago, we had thought about all along going there one day and thought God might allow us to do that, but nothing certain. But I felt God speak to me clearly one night at KC Dallas and told me, I want you to move to Branson and I want you to open this certain show. 
And so it wasn't anything that I had ever thought of. I thought we might go there one day and open a Polynesian show or something and preach the gospel because, you know, we had that Hawaii connection. But God said, no, I want you to go there and I want you to open a show called something like Jesus the Experience. And it's going to tell, you know, I'm speaking in faith right now. It's going to tell the life of Jesus in a very theatrical, professional, top-level way. But it's called Jesus the Experiences because they're coming and they're going to experience Jesus. And they're going to get saved and they're going to get touched by the power of God and healed by coming to get entertained. That's what I really sense in my spirit. How is that going to happen? I have no idea. It's going to take a lot of money. The Pastor Morocco sent my wife and, up, and I up there about a year and a half ago to look at an empty theater beautiful theater. It's sitting there. In fact, now we live right next door to it. I don't know how that happened. It was just the Lord. In fact, we go over there and walk around it and pray all the time because it's just still sitting there empty. Beautiful. It used to be a church. And we go there and pray all the time. But God spoke to me in that moment, woke me up early in the morning, said, I want to flow a river of my spirit through this city. In the same way that there's a river, just like what you see up there, that's Lake Tanicomo. But there's a river, a lake that flows right through the town. God said, I want to flow a river of my spirit through that city. You see, there's a lot of churches. It's the Bible Belt. But there's not many Holy Ghost churches. There's not many churches that flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to do something unique there, I truly believe. Anybody ever heard of Corey Tinboom? Many years ago, before the shows in Branson, before any of that, it had, before it had grown into that kind of a place, she was flying over that area of the country. And she told whoever was flying the plane, put the plane down on the ground. And they said, there's no airport. She goes, there is. There's an airport. And they found an old airport that was in Branson, and they landed the plane. And she sat in the plane, and she prophesied. She said, one day, God is going to send a mighty revival out of this city that's going to touch this nation. And she said, you can take off now. And they took off. I'm believing that we're going to be a part of that revival that's going to be poured out there. And so about six weeks ago, from our apartment, because we don't own a house yet, we're working on that. Our apartment building, help me out, media. I think I have a picture of it. I'm trying to fill you guys in. This are just our, we, we live there in that apartment building, small apartment. We opened our first life group, and you guys can go through these pictures, just go on through them. We opened our first life group, and over the past five or six weeks, God has let that expand. We now have five groups that are going. We have about 50 people coming, and um, kids, youth, adults. In fact, Interestingly enough, we had a word at the prophetic conference that we were going to see some other extensions sort of spring up, almost what feels like by accident. And we had some people contact us from Springfield, Missouri, which is about an hour away. It'd be like you guys driving to Anchorage, I guess. And they said, can you guys come up here? And so we've been up there. That's one of our, that's our youth that meet in Springfield. I mean, this has only been in the last five or six weeks. And my son, Dylan, goes up there and ministers to those youth. And two weeks ago, we had an adult group open in Springfield. So who knows? We might have another extension in Springfield. But, you know, we felt like God told us we were going to open this work in a different way. And we didn't feel we were supposed to go rent a building and put a sign up and hang a banner. It's all just been through one-on-one -on -one relationship, opening small groups. We didn't want there to be big financial overhead where we were draining from the cathedral or other extension. In fact, we're believing, and I'm declaring right now that we're going to end this year in the black. And, and it, God's our provider. And, you know, I, I think it's going to take maybe about $7,500 to get us there. But I'm declaring that is going to happen. And at some point, we're, I'm just giving you what's happening. Is that all right? Filling you in. We're going to purchase a home hopefully soon. We hope to start a Sunday morning service, converge some of those into our home so we, so we keep our costs down and at the right time move into a building where we can expand and continue to see small groups growing. I'm sorry? 50 people, yeah, 50 people coming right now, different people. So can we just give glory to God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And my family is there ministering my... My son, that's on your right, blonde hair, Dylan, he went to KSM, finished his kids' ministry training. He wants to be a kids' pastor. And he had 
offers from churches to go be their kids pastor, paid positions, and he felt like God spoke to him just to come help us and be our kids pastor. So he's actually working at a bookstore and then volunteering all his time uh, as our kids guy. Um, and he's got an anointing on his life. Uh, worship leaders from KC Oahu have resigned their jobs and are moving to Branson just to find secular jobs and, and serve to be our worship leaders. I mean, God's bringing a team together. So I just wanted you to know your giving today goes, not to me personally, but it goes to the furtherance of this vision of what God's going to do in Casey Branson. So glory to God. Thank you so much. Amen. Ushers, would you come? Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in Casey Branson. We're so excited that we get to be a part as we give this morning, as we sow seed. Father, we thank you that you are raising up a great and mighty church that flows in the spirit, God, in Branson and all over in Springfield and different places. And we thank you for what you're doing. You're an awesome God. We pray that they would indeed end this year in the black. Lord, way above, way above, more than enough. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Why don't you just stand to your feet as we worship. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you. Well, we're not going to limit God, are we? We're going to take the limits off today, Lord. All right, why don't you take hands with somebody next to you as we close today. So glad you came. And let's just pray for one another. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that's gone forth with power this morning encouraging your people and lord i pray that you would bless your people and cause your face to shine upon them lord lift up your countenance towards them be gracious to them keep them and give them peace in the awesome and matchless name of jesus and everybody said amen and amen god bless you see you tonight have an awesome day